For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without OnX. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. OnX Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com slash hunt and find more birds this spring. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. That's seafoamworks.com to learn more. From Meat Eaters World News Headquarters in Bozeman, Montana, this is Cal's Week in Review with Ryan Cal Callahan. Now, here's Cal. Every year, puppies are purchased in haste around the country for Christmas gifts with little thought as to the expense to be incurred over the next 10 to 15 years. Well, let me make the case for the electric eel. While the puppy may show affection and will no contest be more cuddly, it isn't going to return any of the cash investment you put into it. If you, like I, thought at some point during dog ownership that you should be able to claim dogs as dependents on your tax returns, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's time we keep animals that actually pitch in around the house. So, put down that Doberman and get an electric eel instead. They'll provide a different kind of entertainment than the Labrador, Doodle, or Shih Tzu, sure. But the benefit is you can put them to work right away, and there is no training or housebreaking for this Christmas surprise. Set it and forget it, like old Ron Popeil used to say. If you visit the Tennessee Aquarium, you will find Miguel, the electric eel, powering Christmas tree lights. Electric eels, which aren't actually eels at all but knife fish, emit low-voltage bursts of electricity when they are searching for food. They emit these low-voltage bursts to get prey to twitch or react in the often murky water they hunt in, so the eel can detect them. The eels emit higher-voltage bursts when they are excited, defending themselves, or trying to actually stun their next meal into submission. Fun side note here, the monotremes, of which the platypus belongs, are the only land mammals with electroreceptors. The platypus has 40,000 receptors in its bill that allow it to identify the electric fields put off by its prey. But back to eels. 
The Tennessee Aquarium has harnessed this eel power in the past by working with Tennessee Tech University's iCube Center to hook up the eel's tank with a system that takes these impulses and transforms them into pre-programmed tweets. If you search the Twitter account at Miguel, you can see them for yourself. But now, as in currently, get it, current, see what I did there? Anyway, currently, the Tennessee Aquarium has plugged into the eel's juice to power a Christmas tree's lights. When the eel is on the search for food, the tree lights flicker on and off, and when he gets even more excited, the tree gets a good glow too. No word on what happens to the tree or the Twitter feed during mating season. Male eels build a nest out of their own saliva in which the female eel can deposit up to 3,000 eggs. Sounds like exciting times to me. Shocking, even. So, get that special someone, some electrodes, a strand of lights, an aquarium, and an electric eel this giving season. As Cousin Eddie would say, Clark, that's the gift that keeps on giving the whole year. This week, field observations, an ice fishing conundrum, and tales from the backcountry. But first, I'm going to tell you about my week. I met up with one of my good hunting buddies who had drawn a very good elk tag and packed in for the week. In this scenario, packing in involved an old horse named Shorty and a giant mule named Jughead. The trip started with intermittent snow with bigger patches on frozen north-facing slopes, 40-degree weather, and mud on the south-facing slopes. Then, things changed. The mercury plummeted, and we would ultimately walk out at the end of the week in two feet of powder snow and temps below zero. We had a wall tent, cots, all the wool, and big puffy down-filled first light clothing awesome sleeping bags, and a wood stove, although search and rescue was alerted to our long absence from our vehicles and sub-zero temps, we were living very comfortably. I even packed in half a turkey, a bunch of morel mushrooms, and a bottle of our meat eater whiskey to enjoy a real bang-up Thanksgiving dinner. Turkey day was seven below zero, so we got real cozy to the fire. When the severely frozen turkey finally thawed out, got hot around 11.30 p.m., uh, it turned out awesome. I brined the bird, about a 14-pound Merriam's turkey, a shot out in eastern Montana, in a real simple brine you can find in our meat eater cookbook uh, for about 24 hours. And then I cut the bird in half, pulled the neck out and the back, got some turkey stock made out of that, threw the uh, halves of the bird in a vac seal bag with some garlic and a stick of butter. Uh, the bird went into the water bath at about 150 degrees for 12 hours, then I bumped it up to about 158 for another 12 hours. What the reasoning was for that, don't ask, I don't know, I just kind of cook by feel. The outside temp, like I said, turned the bird and its juices in the backcountry into basically a brick-o-turkey. But ultimately, once things warmed up on the wood stove, uh, made a damn tasty wild bird. Oddly enough, and sadly, we had cell reception in camp, and during this meal, I had turned my phone on to check the weather and got a phone call from Bozeman PD letting me know that our vehicles had been reported and a search and rescue volunteer team had been notified and were preparing to, you know, search and rescue us as we sat next to our wood stove eating turkey, gravy, instant mashed potatoes, and stovetop dressing. So that was good timing. I'm happy those folks didn't have to stomp around the cold and figure out our hunting spot. We had some bad timing, too. Another friend of ours, uh, I'll just call him Mike, is getting really old, broken down, has generally lost his love of life, spirit of adventure, what the French would call his joie de vivre, and what we typically refer to around here as his grr. 
So anyway, he didn't show up to camp, which was a bummer in itself, but he was also supposed to show up with an extra six-pack of pack animals, and that's what we really missed. Being as remote as we were, the lack of this additional stock really changed our plans and left my buddy to pull a whole wall tent camp, all the trappings that I mentioned previous that go with it, and a bull elk out of the backcountry with just one horse and a mule. (coughs) Needless to say, a big load and not enough backs to get it out. So, being the good friend I am, and still possessing at least a functional amount of gur, I loaded up my pack with all my gear, plus as much extraneous camp material as I could muster, and headed out. It uh, was a cold but beautiful day after Thanksgiving. The type of cold that freezes the boogers in your nose and numbs your forehead, uh, with a pile of fresh, light snow on the ground in which I lost my cell phone. That's just a side note. Uh, It was truly a beautiful morning, and the first few miles passed pretty easy, with the exception of a few slips and falls and the occasional large snowdrift that took some extra effort to get through. As I reached the last saddle, my truck a mile or so down the other side, much to my surprise, I found a forked horn mule deer buck. Tempting as this youngster was, he was on the wrong side of the mountain, and I was in a very tired, precarious position with my overloaded pack. Amongst the things I carried out of camp were the empty water jugs, which were partially filled with ice. Every step I took sounded like maracas filled with broken glass being shaken. So, I say again, I was much surprised to get so close to this little buck. Anyway, I proceeded through the saddle, my last mountain pass. At this point, the weight of the pack was wearing on me, but I was in the home stretch and not feeling too bad about ending my Montana hunting season with no shots fired. As I started to navigate the frozen, snow-covered slope to home, the wind had loaded the leeward side of the pass to thigh-deep level, making the descent slow going. As I navigated another fall, I noticed another buck walk above me on the hill. I paused and thought, man, you're already late, but I passed him up too. Few more steps, a set of does comes into view, and another buck at about 130 yards was my guess. The words, you wanted a buck, here's a buck, came to my ears. So, against my better judgment, I unslung my pack, pulled out my fancy little Spartan bipod, locked it into place on the end of my rifle, giving me just enough clearance above the snow, and that, as they say, is that. The buck slid down the steep ridge in the light powder and lodged in a patch of deadfall. Here's a point that you're not really going to believe, but swear as I can, this is absolutely true. I kid you negative, I had in my pack my steel electric chainsaw, which made short work of the deadfall the buck had fallen into. I even used that chainsaw, since I fill the bar and chain oil hole up with canola oil instead of bar and chain, to split the pelvis, split the critter down the back, and uh, take the skull cap off. Although I am sure I made this sound far too easy, I promise you folks, this is the last buck I will ever get with the damn chainsaw, it's two batteries and half a camp on my back. Worked out well this time, but I'm not going to repeat it. Although that little steel chainsaw is clean, lightweight, and quiet, still wears a fella down over the course of a long hike. So, happy belated Thanksgiving to you all, whether you celebrate that holiday, as I try to do in hunting camp, or surrounded by family or not at all. Which of you listening right now took a class in school about Family Finances 101? No one? Yeah, me neither. 
Just like the importance of a will or college savings plan or even life insurance or estate planning, we have to know these things. But how do we figure it all out? That's why I'm excited to partner with Fabric by Gerber Life. Listen, one of the few things expected of you in life is to not let other people pick up after you. That's why I have life insurance, to make sure my stuff is taken care of even when I'm gone. Fabric by Gerber Life is term life insurance you can get done right here, right now. You could be covered from your couch in under 10 minutes with no health exam required. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash cal. That's meetfabric.com slash cal. M-E-E-T, fabric.com slash cal. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company, not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. Now, a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition of eating, you know, some organ, the heart or a chunk of liver off the first animal you kill. I had that when I was a little kid and it was a big deal. Organ meats were always prized by frontier people who knew the importance of getting a lot of different minerals and nutrients. And, as often is the case, those guys were on to something. Because organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. And you can get the same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from heart and soil made exclusively from regeneratively raised grass-fed and finished cattle heart and soils unique freeze-drying process means all those important nutrients are trapped in ensuring you experience every one of the benefits of nature's superfood in a clean convenient taste-free capsule find out more at heartandsoil.co and make sure to use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code MEATEATER. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time. Seafoam Motor Treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. It's really simple. When you pour it in your gas tank, Seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can in your gas tank and let it clean your fuel system. You probably know someone who has used a can of seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. I guarantee you've listened to them because I use it you know, regularly. People everywhere rely on seafoam to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way they should the entire season. Help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. Moving on. Last week, we talked about a first-time hunter. I've gotten a lot of first-time hunter stories in through the Instagram account and the Ask Cal email. I'd like to say congratulations to another first-time hunter and her mentor over in Price County, Wisconsin. Florence Teeters, the first-timer, just bagged her first buck at 104 years old. Her son Bill was the willing mentor. According to the local NBC affiliate, Wisconsin DNR does not require anyone born after 1973 to take a hunter safety course. Hunter safety hasn't been required for Florence for 58 years. Way to go, Florence and Bill. 
And thank you to everyone out there who has or is taking the time to get someone of any age out into our woods and waters. Good on you. Happy holidays. Moving on to a quick public service announcement from our Canada desk. Bull kelp, as we covered last week, the aquatic vegetation that is being eaten by purple sea urchins. Uh, One listener on Vancouver Island wrote in to say, I just want to point out one very important use of bull kelp that you seem to have forgotten about. Many of us on Vancouver Island at one point or another have taken a suitable piece of bull kelp, cut off the top quarter inch of the bulb to expose the bowl, and then, after cutting the rest of the whip to an appropriate length, used it as a very effective beer bong. Once it hits your lips, it's so good! I'm sure the rest of your listeners would appreciate knowing how to make a West Coast Woodsman kelp bong. Uh, Thank you very much, Eric, from Vancouver. Uh, Important to note here that I in no way support this type of alcohol consumption. I just can't deny good ingenuity. Sliding into ice fishing season. This from the CBC Canada, and it's in regards to your ice hole. You know that joke, right? How do you kill a polar bear? Cut a hole in the ice, hide and wait for the bear to look into the hole. When he's real bent over and tent on seeing what's down there, sneak up and kick him right in the ice hole. I never thought it was that good either. Anyway, turns out that according to Section 263 of the Alberta Criminal Code, anyone who makes or causes to be made an opening in ice that is open to or frequented by the public is under a legal duty to guard it. Everyone who fails to perform a duty imposed is guilty of A. Manslaughter, if the death of any person results therefrom. B. An offense under Section 269 if bodily harm to any person results therefrom. Or C. An offense punishable on summary conviction. So, if you are planning on doing any ice fishing this season, you had better guard your ice hole. Until it freezes anyway. Our last bit of news from Canada, a Manitoba man hit what he thought was a dog on his way to work at the new Bothwell Cheese Factory. Feeling bad about this, as you would, he picked up the wounded animal and placed it in his back seat. Upon arriving at work for his night shift, a co-worker notified him that the dog he had hit was in fact a coyote. The coyote laid peacefully in the back seat and apparently didn't show any signs of aggressiveness, despite being completely healthy, with some minor cuts from the car bumper. The coyote went to an animal rehabilitation facility where it was fed and monitored, then released. Coyotes have an incredible ability to adapt, even in urban environments like Calgary, Los Angeles, and Brooklyn. Coyotes have learned to make do. I recall watching a woman and a coyote stand next to each other at a crosswalk in Calgary and cross when the signal changed. Coincidence or learned behavior? I don't know. If you read Dan Flores' book, Coyote America, you will know that the coyote has always been a known trickster. And, if you look at the average winter temperatures around New Bothwell, Manitoba, sometimes sitting at nearly 20 below zero, you could come to the conclusion that this coyote has something figured out. Or maybe this just confirms an oft-repeated American bias of Canadians. They're just so nice. Oh, take off, eh? (laughs) Moving on to our Texas desk. Feral hogs attacked and killed an almost 60-year-old caregiver in Chambers County, Texas which is located on the Gulf, just east of Houston toward Louisiana. A Miss Rollins, who would be 60 this Christmas, was walking up to the home of the elderly couple she helps provide care for when she was attacked and eventually killed by an unknown number of hogs. The local sheriff suspects that the hogs were likely sleeping in the shade of the home, and Miss Rollins' approach made them feel cornered. There have only been four documented fatal attacks in the U.S., 
The last fatal attack was also in Texas, occurring in 1996, when a deer hunter in Cherokee County was attacked and killed apparently by a lone boar. Although you would think it would be hunters taking the brunt of hog encounters, interestingly enough, according to a 2013 study from the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, most feral hog attacks involve individual non-hunters encountering large singular pigs, presumably boars. 21 states reported hog attacks. Texas, Florida, and South Carolina were respectively at the top of the list. The reason most likely being that these encounters are taking place in areas similar to where Miss Robinson was attacked, urban areas where you just don't expect to meet a mean pack of pigs. As reported here before, whether it be black bears, deer, or in this case pigs, we need to do what we can to keep these animals from becoming comfortable in these zones. Close your garages, bring in your trash, and don't feed wild animals, which may mean bringing in your bird feeders. Jumping over to our international desk, the London Bridge terrorist and knife attacker who killed two and injured three was subdued, in part with a narwhal tusk ripped from the wall of the Fishmongers Hall, a historic building located near the bridge. Narwhal can grow up to 18 feet in length and are often called the unicorn of the sea because of the long tooth that grows like a spear from the male's upper lip. This spiraled tooth sometimes grows over 8 feet long, and although it is obviously handy for a land-based weapon, combat is not its porpoise. The narwhal is a porpoise. Anyway, the tusk may have had a deadlier role somewhere along the evolutionary line, but now researchers believe that due to the fact that tuskless females and long-toothed males ingest the same diet, the horn of the sea unicorn may be just to impress the ladies. If that porpoise joke didn't kill you, relax, because nothing krill. We are staying under the ocean, on the reefs to be exact, for this next bit. Coral reefs are the hotbed of life in the ocean. Reefs are giant, intricate communities that host a huge variety of species, and they are dying. Researchers across the globe have been working on ways to educate the fishing and swimming public to promote reef health, as well as find ways to combat the effect of climate change. One interesting study that was just released would, if viable, be a game changer. As it turns out, reef health can be a kind of chicken or the egg type dilemma. Think of it this way. We want healthy fish, but the fish need healthy coral. We want healthy coral, but the coral is only healthy when there are a bunch of fish doing fish things around and in it. Basic, I know, but stick with me. The study published in the journal Nature Communications took place over six weeks, where a team of British and Australian researchers broadcast the sounds of healthy coral reefs in areas with dead coral reefs. Apparently, dead coral reefs sound dead, and healthy reefs are loud places. By producing the sounds that you would hear on a healthy reef, like shrimp snapping and fish grunting, juvenile fish were attracted and, more importantly, tended to stay. Kind of reminds me of spearfishing when you dig in the gravel and carp show up. Researchers noted that fish from all parts of the food spectrum showed up, which is critical to reef restoration. Important to note that even if this could be replicated on a mass scale, speakers deployed to dead patches of coral or new patches of possibly man-made or planted corals, this would only be another tool in the toolkit as the effects of pollution, sun bleaching, and climate change are going to take an all-hands approach. If, nothing else, this acoustic approach definitely shows a promising approach to this fish you. 
Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you next week. If you're enjoying Cal's Week in Review, do me a favor and tell a friend to subscribe. Don't hog all these fun facts for yourself. You can also leave me a review by hitting that furthest right-hand star. Above all, keep writing in and tell me what I got right, what I missed, and what's happening in your neck of the woods at AskCal, that's A-S-K-C-A-L, at TheMeatEater.com. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. That's seafoamworks.com to learn more. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. They're on a mission to balance access deer populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. For folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful, you can become a snack subscriber, get some access deer sticks, sent right to your door visit mauinuivenison.com that's m-a-u-i-n-u-i venison.com and use promo code cal for 20 percent off your first order